Political Speech Anonymous Speech In Tally v. California, 1960, the court struck down a Los Angeles City ordinance that made it a crime to distribute anonymous pamphlets. Justice Hugo Black wrote in the majority opinion, there can be no doubt that such an identification requirement would tend to restrict freedom to distribute information and thereby freedom of expression. Anonymous pamphlets, leaflets, brochures and even books have played an important role in the progress of mankind. In McIntyre v. Ohio Elections Commission, 1995, the court struck down an Ohio statute that made it a crime to distribute anonymous campaign literature. However, in Mies v. Keene, 1987, the court upheld the Foreign Agents Registration Act of 1938, under which several Canadian films were defined as political propaganda, requiring their sponsors to be identified. Campaign Finance In Buckley v. Vallejo, 1976, the Supreme Court reviewed the Federal Election Campaign Act of 1971 and related laws, which restricted the monetary contributions that may be made to political campaigns and expenditure by candidates. The court affirmed the constitutionality of limits on campaign contributions, saying they serve the basic governmental interest in safeguarding the integrity of the electoral process without directly impinging upon the rights of individual citizens and candidates to engage in political debate and discussion. However, the court overturned the spending limits, which it found imposed substantial restraints on the quantity of political speech. The court again scrutinized campaign finance regulation in McConnell v. Federal Election Commission, 2003. The case centered on the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act of 2002, BCRA, a federal law that imposed new restrictions on campaign financing. The Supreme Court upheld provisions which barred the raising of soft money by national parties and the use of soft money by private organizations to fund certain advertisements related to elections. However, the court struck down the choice of expenditure rule, which required that parties could either make coordinated expenditures for all its candidates, or permit candidates to spend independently, but not both, which the court agreed placed an unconstitutional burden on the party's right to make unlimited independent expenditures. The court also ruled that the provision preventing minors from making political contributions was unconstitutional, relying on Tinker v. Des Moines Independent Community School District. In Federal Election Commission v. Wisconsin Right to Life Inc., 2007, the court sustained an as-applied challenge to BCRA, holding that issue ads may not be banned from the months preceding a primary or general election. In Davis v. Federal Election Commission, 2008, the Supreme Court declared the Millionaire's Amendment provisions of the BCRA to be unconstitutional. The court held that easing BCRA restrictions for an opponent of a self-financing candidate spending at least $350,000 of his or her own money violated the freedom of speech of the self-financing candidate. In Citizens United v. Federal Election Commission, 2010, the court ruled that the BCRA's federal restrictions on electoral advocacy by corporations or unions were unconstitutional for violating the free speech clause of the First Amendment. The court overruled Austin v. Michigan Chamber of Commerce, 1990, which had upheld a state law that prohibited corporations from using treasury funds to support or oppose candidates in elections that did not violate the First or Fourteenth Amendments. The court also overruled the portion of McConnell that upheld such restrictions under the BCRA. In other words, the ruling was considered to hold that political spending is a form of protected speech under the First Amendment. In McCutcheon v. Federal Election Commission, 2014, the court ruled that federal aggregate limits on how much a person can donate to candidates, political parties, and political action committees, combined respectively in a two-year period known as an election cycle, violated the free speech clause of the First Amendment. Flag desecration. The divisive issue of flag desecration as a form of protest first came before the Supreme Court in Street v. New York, 1969. 
In response to hearing an erroneous report of the murder of civil rights activist James Meredith, Sydney Street burned a 48-star U.S. flag. Street was arrested and charged with a New York state law making it a crime publicly mutilate, deface, defile, or defy, trample upon, or cast contempt upon either by words or act. The court, relying on Stromberg v. California, 1931, found that because the provision of the New York law criminalizing words against the flag was unconstitutional, and the trial did not sufficiently demonstrate he had been convicted solely under the provisions not yet deemed unconstitutional, the conviction was unconstitutional. The court, however, resists the polls to decide the constitutional issues involved in this case on a broader basis and left the constitutionality of flag burning unaddressed. The ambiguity with regard to flag burning statutes was eliminated in Texas v. Johnson, 1989. In that case, Gregory Lee Johnson burned an American flag at a demonstration during the 1984 Republican National Convention in Dallas, Texas. Charged with violating a Texas law prohibiting the vandalizing of venerated objects, Johnson was convicted, sentenced to one year in prison, and fined $2,000. The Supreme Court reversed his conviction. Justice William J. Brennan Jr. wrote in the decision that if there is a bedrock principle underlying the First Amendment, it is that the government may not prohibit the expression of an idea simply because society finds the idea offensive or disagreeable. Congress then passed a federal law barring flag burning, but the Supreme Court struck it down as well in United States v. Eichmann, 1990. A flag desecration amendment to the U.S. Constitution has been proposed repeatedly in Congress since 1989, and in 2006 failed to pass the Senate by a single vote falsifying military awards. While the unauthorized wear or sale of the Medal of Honor has been a punishable offense under federal law since the early 20th century, the Stolen Valor Act criminalized the act of not only wearing, but also verbally claiming entitlement to military awards a person did not in fact earn. In United States v. Alvarez, 2012, the Supreme Court struck down the act, ruling that the First Amendment bars the government from punishing people for making false claims regarding military service or honors where the false claim was not made to affect a fraud or secure monies or other valuable considerations. The Supreme Court could not agree on a single rationale for its decision. Compelled speech. The Supreme Court has determined that the First Amendment also protects citizens from being compelled to say or pay for certain speech. In West Virginia State Board of Education v. Barnett, 1943, the court ruled that school children could not be punished for refusing either to say the Pledge of Allegiance or salute the American flag. The court also overruled Minersville School District v. Gavitis, 1940, which had upheld such punishments of school children. In National Institute of Family and Life Advocates v. Becerra, 2018, the court ruled that a California law requiring crisis pregnancy centers to post notices informing patients they can obtain free or low-cost abortions and include the number of the state agency that can connect the women with abortion providers violated those centers' right to free speech. In Janus v. AFSCME, 2018, the court ruled that requiring a public sector employee to pay dues to a union to which he is not a member violated the First Amendment. According to the court, the First Amendment does not permit the government to compel a person to pay for another party's speech just because the government thinks that the speech furthers the interests of the person who does not want to pay. The court also overruled Abood v. Detroit Board of Education, 1977, which had upheld legally obligating public sector employees to pay such dues. Commercial speech. Commercial speech is speech done on behalf of a company or individual for the purpose of making a profit. Unlike political speech, the Supreme Court does not afford commercial speech full protection under the First Amendment. To effectively distinguish commercial speech from other types of speech for purposes of litigation, the court uses a list of four indicia. 1. The contents do no more than propose a commercial transaction. 2. 
The contents may be characterized as advertisements. 3. The contents reference a specific product. 4. The disseminator is economically motivated to distribute the speech. Alone, each indicium does not compel the conclusion that an instance of speech is commercial, however, the combination of all these characteristics, provides strong support for, the conclusion that is properly characterized as commercial speech. In Valentine v. Crestenson, 1942, the court upheld a New York City ordinance forbidding the distribution in the streets of commercial and business advertising matter, ruling the First Amendment protection of free speech did not include commercial speech. In Virginia State Pharmacy Board v. Virginia Citizens Consumer Council, 1976, the court overturned Valentine and ruled that commercial speech was entitled to First Amendment protection. What is at issue is whether a state may completely suppress the dissemination of conceitedly truthful information about entirely lawful activity, fearful of that information's effect upon its disseminators and its recipients, we conclude that the answer to this one is in the negative. In Okralik v. Ohio State Bar Association, 1978, the court ruled that commercial speech was not protected by the First Amendment as much as other types of speech. We have not discarded the common-sense distinction between speech proposing a commercial transaction, which occurs in an area traditionally subject to government regulation, and other varieties of speech. To require a parity of constitutional protection for commercial and non-commercial speech alike could invite a dilution, simply by a leveling process, of the force of the amendment's guarantee with respect to the latter kind of speech. In Central Hudson Gas and Electric Corporation v. Public Service Commission, 1980, the court clarified what analysis was required before the government could justify regulating commercial speech. 1. Is the expression protected by the First Amendment? Lawful? Misleading? Fraud? 2. Is the asserted government interest substantial? 3. Does the regulation directly advance the governmental interest asserted? 4. Is the regulation more extensive than is necessary to serve that interest? Six years later, the U.S. Supreme Court, applying the central Hudson standards in Posadas de Puerto Rico Associates v. Tourism Company of Puerto Rico, 1986, affirmed the Supreme Court of Puerto Rico's conclusion that Puerto Rico's Games of Chance Act of 1948, including the regulations thereunder, was not facially unconstitutional. The lax interpretation of Central Hudson adopted by Posadas was soon restricted under 44 Liquor Mart Incorporated v. Rhode Island, 1996, when the court invalidated a Rhode Island law prohibiting the publication of liquor prices. School speech. In Tinker v. Des Moines Independent Community School District, 1969, the Supreme Court extended free speech rights to students in school. The case involved several students who were punished for wearing black armbands to protest the Vietnam War. The court ruled that the school could not restrict symbolic speech that did not materially and substantially interrupt school activities. Justice Abe Fortas wrote, First Amendment rights, applied in light of the special characteristics of the school environment, are available to teachers and students. It can hardly be argued that either students or teachers shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. Schools may not be enclaves of totalitarianism. School officials do not possess absolute authority over their students. Students, are possessed of fundamental rights which the state must respect, just as they themselves must respect their obligations to the state. In Healy v. James, 1972, the court ruled that Central Connecticut State College's refusal to recognize a campus chapter of students for a democratic society was unconstitutional, reaffirming Tinker. However, since 1969 the court has also placed several limitations on Tinker. In Bethel School District v. Fraser, 1986, the court ruled that a student could be punished for his sexual innuendo-laced speech before a school assembly and, in Hazelwood v. Kohlmeyer, 1988, 
The court found that schools need not tolerate student speech that is inconsistent with their basic educational mission. In Morse v. Frederick, 2007, the court ruled that schools could restrict student speech at school-sponsored events, even events away from school grounds, if students promote illegal drug use. In 2014, the University of Chicago released the Chicago Statement, a free speech policy statement designed to combat censorship on campus. This statement was later adopted by a number of top-ranked universities including Princeton University, Washington University in St. Louis, Johns Hopkins University, and Columbia University. Internet Access In Packingham v. North Carolina, 2017, the Supreme Court held that a North Carolina law prohibiting registered sex offenders from accessing various websites impermissibly restricted lawful speech in violation of the First Amendment. The court held that a fundamental principle of the First Amendment is that all persons have access to places where they can speak and listen, and then, after reflection, speak and listen once more. The text of this podcast is sourced from the Wikipedia Foundation under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The written text has been altered for voice presentation. To view the modified and original text versions visit thelegalpages.com. The content of this podcast is presented for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be legal or professional advice. The Wikipedia Foundation is not affiliated with this podcast.